Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Rachel, oh, it's... put the junior on. Oh, Van Lathan Jr., I'm sorry. You're right. It's me, Van Lathan Jr. <laughs> I'm sorry, my smoothie just attacked me again. I hope I hope you get a, got a freeze frame of that. Do you, ever get, do you ever get that where your food comes back and attacks you again? That's called acid reflux. Oh, is that what that is? It happens to me I, a lot. Does it? It burns, right? It comes. Doesn't up. it? Doesn't burn. Oh, it doesn't burn. This kind doesn't burn. Wait, sometimes is it, is it acid reflux or reflux? So, sometimes, <laughs> I just, if I drink something cold, when you drink something cold, do you sometimes get the cold feeling going back up your esophagus? No, I'm, that's Never? not normal. Reflux. It hey, Donnie reflux. Okay. or Donnie, Donnie and Trudy, when y'all drink something cold, like let's say y'all drink a cold drink. Do y'all ever get the feeling of cold going back up like your your esophagus and stuff? Do you ever get that? Mm-mm. Just down or brain freeze. It goes down, but it doesn't, you don't feel it ever coming back up. Like it gets down there, but it comes back up. I don't have a like get down there and come back up, but it will like Thank stop you. and just hesitate where it's at for a little bit. Just be cold. Mm-hmm. Be cold. No, nobody's comes back up, which is acid reflux. Acid reflux, but it doesn't huh? burn. It doesn't burn. Sometimes it, it burns. It, sometimes it burns if I eat the wrong stuff. You know, mine was stress really induced. When I when I was taking the bar the first day, I developed acid reflux, and it and I it continued until I got my results for the bar. How many times did you did it take for one, you to pass the bar? One and done, baby. So let me tell you something. <laughs> I know niggas that failed that bitch. So it's like <laughs> these guys. You talk to them. And they're all smart and stuff. And I knew a dude who just couldn't fucking do the bar. It was like three strikes and you're out. His firm had to fight. Because I didn't know that those firms hire you. Before. Before. Yeah. And then you take the bar and it's like a black eye to the firm if you don't pass the bar. And then you don't pass it one time. And they're like, all right. All right, now. That's exactly how it is. You know what I mean? All right, now. Okay. If you don't pass it that second time, sometimes they'll kick your ass out to be done. But this dude I knew, he got a third crack at it because he came, he went to a really good law school Mm -hmm. and then he failed again. Because, well, think about it. You can't practice. What do you mean? They have to, they have to let you go. You have to be licensed in the state to be able to practice. So there's only so much that you can do. You become yeah. like a paralegal. So they're paying you all this money. And if your friend came from a great law school, I'm, I'm, they were paying him great money. Mm-hmm. And then you can't pass. So they have to cut their losses. But can't you? They, can't they just keep you on until you pass? Well, they might have. They, they could, but they'd have to reduce your rate and you wouldn't be an attorney. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't bill. They can't bill you as a lawyer. So you get paralegal. Yeah, you're not one. But that's, I just think it's so flawed because it's like you put all this money in three years, sometimes more of schooling because you cannot pass the test. It's like, it's all out the window, but you've learned all the skills that everyone else has. Yeah. Well, I feel like they should make you do the test first and then hire you after the test. Cause some, like, some they, may, they don't know that you don't, you don't be able to pass the test. They well, they know. assume that you got into a good law school, you survived three years, you had good grades. Surely you can pass the test. That's all they think about. Think Niggas of it. fail. Niggas fail. It's been a wacky couple of days out here, by the way. Tell. 
I saw Tucker Carlson on Nicki Minaj's Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Did you have that in your fucking 2021 bingo card? No, I didn't. But I think I threw that card out in 2020. Yeah. In many ways, 2021 has been a shit show. On par with, with it's not funny, but my gosh, <laughs> so uh, let's get right into it. We talked about it a little bit because we responded to it in real time, Nicki Minaj and the whole uh, COVID cousins ball gate. Um, the it's so funny, Nicki Minaj fired off a series of tweets you guys all know now where she was talking about vaccine hesitancy. She told a story about a cousin that she had in Trinidad. And apparently this cousin was going to get married. But then, you know, the friend took the vac. The cousin's friend, I think it was. Or was it the cousin? It was the cousin. It's the cousin's friend. The cousin's friend. No? The, co- the yeah. cousin's friend was about to get married. And yeah. it, was, it was about to go down. It was happy. Everybody was happy. And then he got the vaccine. And his balls blew up. His balls blew up and it swelled up and it made him impotent. So then couldn't get married the wedding was off so this is he could get married she left him tell him like it is well look so this is my thing number one let's take things one at a time here because there's a lot to unpack from this Nick Minaj story but let's start there if you were getting ready to marry Brian right you're getting ready to marry Brian and the week before let's say Brian got stung by a bee and his balls swore swole up and he couldn't have kids. Mm-hmm. Would you still marry him? Yes. So I have a couple of questions. Number one, before we get to the veracity of this story, which the government came out and debunked. <laughs> they had to. It was gaining too much traction. Before we get to the veracity of that, can we talk about the fact that the woman that left this dude? Ruthless. Ruthless? Because his balls flew because of a medical condition, allegedly, allegedly. she left him. Can we talk about the fact is that that's not right, right? That's well, fucked it, up. It, it was a blessing in disguise because this ain't the woman for you. If she's got uh, you take vows that say through sickness and health. Well, clearly that didn't apply to her. She wasn't ready to commit to that because she bounced. She wasn't she bounced. down for adoption. She wasn't down for anything. Surrogacy. Else. Surrogacy. Well, it wouldn't be surrogacy, right? Because she could still have a kid, yeah. So she's she could carry oh, a kid, yeah. Surrogacy. That's right. What what happens in that case? It, oh. If if you're a man, do you have to then in that situation be okay with her just going to a sperm donor, getting pregnant, and then you know? I guess so. Can you? Is there any way for them? And no, I guess if it was his balls that were the problem, then there's no way for them to go in there and then give her something, some of his sperm semen's. No. Yeah. All right. Uh, so she told that story uh-huh, uh-huh. and it went crazy. It went everywhere. We talked a little bit about it. Um, Joanne Reed got at her. Then she called Joanne Reed a coon uh, on her Twitter. And so then this started to gain traction. Nikki has gained over 100,000 followers. Um, well, we know who those are. <laughs> the alt-right people. Uh, and she started a real, real, she's almost like at this point right now, the face of vaccine hesitancy. She's been invited, she's been praised by the right, she's been invited to the White House, invited to the White House. Allegedly. The White House confirmed that they invited. the White House said they, okay, unless a new report came out, the White House said they invited her to a call. 
Right. They didn't mm. invite her to come, which is why she put out a video that was like, when have I ever lied? They invited me to come. The White House said, no, we just invited her to join a call. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that part. I thought and she got upset. That. She got pissed off. Um. So, and this all culminated with a couple of things happening just recently. Number one, uh, <laughs> the Trinidad health minister came out and said that they have no records of some of some such case happening when some dude's balls blew up because of the vaccine and they couldn't get married. So either this was kept on the tuck or it is a fabrication. Not saying that necessarily Nikki is lying, but saying that somebody that might have told her that could have been lying or that the story is part of a gigantic game of telephone, which we know happens. Uh, and it got back to her and it's not true. Okay, uh, they don't say that's it that it happened. What also happened was Nicki Minaj's fans protested mm. outside of the CDC today. Mm. 100 barbs protested outside of the CDC. Mm. This has become an issue that is so big. Mm-hmm. We're covering it on legitimate news broadcasts. Mm-hmm. The Trinidad health minister is talking about it. The White House is involved. You guys, listen to the sound of my voice. Get your fucking canned goods together. It's over. (laughs) Don't even worry about it. We're shining the silver on the Titanic. It's all going down. Yeah. I, I... how in the world this became this big of a deal from some rapper spouting fucking nonsense on their Twitter is amazing to me. And let me tell you why I say it's nonsense. I don't say it's nonsense because Nicki Minaj isn't entitled to her opinion. She's, of course, entitled to her opinion. But here's the thing. I just want to say this one thing before I turn it over to Rach. Everyone's saying, hey, Take the opportunity to educate Nicki Minaj. Take the opportunity to educate Nicki Minaj. Talk to Nicki Minaj about what it really is. I get that. I understand that. Take the time and make sure she has the right information. But Nicki's public platform demands that before she makes declarative statements and says the thing that she says, that she has the right information. The story about the cousin's balls blowing up. Before Nikki goes out to the 22 million people that follow her on Twitter and states that story as a fact, she needs to know whether or not that happened or not. This is living in the post-Trump era where you spout something and then with a major gigantic platform and then after that, we decide whether or not it's true or not. It's not that Nicki Minaj's opinion uh, that she doesn't have a right to it is that to state that and take a stance on that based upon things that may or may not happened have happened is fucking irresponsible and whereas Nicki Minaj as a person if she gets COVID is going to have the access to all of the best stuff monocloidal fucking antibody shit she's going to be able to have people go out and draw the blood of virgins. She's she gonna be able. To, well, she did get COVID, right? So if if somebody like Nicki Minaj, who's gonna who's gonna be that, 
she's going to be able to, to, to probably tough it out. She's going to have the best medical care. A lot of these people out here might not have those same advantages. So I'm trying to understand what the fuck is going on. This has really been a thing. Yeah. I, I, I look at it, look at it as I, I'm, I couldn't share your sentiments more about this is it. Because my immediate thought when I saw that there were protesters in front of the CDC shouting out Fauci lied, Nikki was telling us the truth. I thought, this is the end of days. That was my first thought. And the second thought was, I hate us. I do. What is our society? The, the fact that we are ignoring real information that's out there, ignoring doing the research, ignoring listening to people who have been educated, hired as experts to deal with this subject matter and saying that they're lying, but because I'm a fan of your music and the way you dress and the way you rap, that you must be telling the truth. It, it's that that to me is the most wild thing that this has gained so much traction. And we and people like a Tucker Carlson are giving credibility to somebody like Nicki Minaj on the subject of science, on the subject of public health. I That to me is the craziest thing. Forget Nicki. Yes, Nicki Minaj is the is the issue because she mishandled her platform by spewing her her opinion out there without backing it up with any real facts or information or research and cause this whole thing. But I'm looking at the people who are taking that and really making it their truth. I think that is the most troubling thing that we live in a society where it doesn't matter, where the facts don't matter, science doesn't matter, experts don't matter. It's who I like the most and whether or not I value their opinion. And because I like them, then they must be the ones telling the truth. I just can't get over Nicki Minaj being put on this platform as somebody who's like telling the truth and not being bullied and exposing the government, the White House and scientists for who they are and big pharma when what credibility does she have to do that? Yeah. I, I Look, the the <laughs> research on, on these things is out there. Nicki Minaj, smart lady. I'm not saying that Nicki Minaj can't go out there and glean information from the corners of the internet and come back and have a salient, uh, very direct conversation about vaccine hesitancy, what she thinks. But she hasn't. But she hasn't done that. Exactly. She got on there and she said a whole bunch of bullshit. And after she said this bullshit, people called bullshit on her and she went to war on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is not to tear down Nikki or anyone. This is to say that this is a serious discussion. <laughs> I don't know how else to tell you. Like, I, I think that what people should do is they should they should look or talk to some of these nurses that are dealing with overflowing ICU wards. Right. And what this virus has really done. Like the the thing that's gonna actually bring America down, it won't even be racism, it won't be uh it'll be privilege and inequality is what it'll be because what that does is it removes you from what actual people are going through right Mm -hmm. and so uh, Nicki Minaj in her life has all of these theories but there's nothing behind them right it's there's no there's like there used to be a gold standard 
when it came to intellectual thought, meaning like the thought that you put out, it had to be backed with something. And we've gone off the gold standard of thought. You know, you're important in one place. That means you're important in all places. Yeah. All right. So you're important here. And look, I'm guilty of this, too, because when one of these important people supports something that I believe in, I prop them up and I say, look, LeBron said do this. So, hey, let's try to get people to do it. But you know what? We need to stop doing that, whether they're on our side or whether they're not on our side. What we need to do is is return to the point to where experts weighing in on situations matters. And that don't mean just because they agree with me. If you want to talk to a doctor that says the Pfizer vaccine is no fucking good, well, let's hear that doctor's opinion, right? Yeah. But you have to have some skin in the game because other than that, we're going to have the people that make the fucking hot songs telling us what fucking shit to put in our bodies. Exactly. You know? And look, if you want to get mad, all I'm saying is this, guys. (laughs) The guy's balls didn't blow up. That's all I'm saying. Right. The health minister says the guy's balls didn't blow up. Before you tell the world that the guy's balls blew up, you need to get on the phone with him. That's all I'm saying. Where is he? Where is this nigga? Right? Where's like, the cousin? Uh, Jimmy said he wants to talk to uh, to him, and Nicki Minaj put it on her Twitter that that uh, that you know she she can put him in touch with Kimmel. I want to know now. It's gonna be mad niggas out there lying, talking about their balls blew up because of the vaccine. Right? You know, I don't right. know. We need to, we have a doctor on here. There's been a lot of doctors that have talked about this. I want to have a doctor on here about whether or not your balls can blow up because I'm due for a booster. I need to know. I need You're to not know what. I'm due for a booster coming up pretty soon. I was doing March. Eight months? You didn't get it that early. I got it in um, March. November. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nigga, I know math. Sorry, I thought you got it later. You're really on my back today. A little bit of a palate cleanser from the Nicki Minaj nonsense. Uh, we have Debbie Brown, an expert on spiritual wellness, about to join us on the other side of the break here on Higher Learning. You guys are going to really enjoy this very powerful sister. So... Uh, we'll take a break. Come back with Debbie Brown. Okay. Higher learning audience. We have a treat for you today. We're going to bring some healing energy. Ooh. Boundless, glowing healing energy into your life right now. We have author, spiritual guru, like overall energetic soul, Debbie Brown on the show today. Debbie. Debbie's a friend of mine. I've known Debbie for a while now. I guess my first question to you is, how would you best describe what it is that you do? Oh, well, I do so many things. I think it depends on what hat I'm wearing. Also, can I just like anchor this and say, anytime you're cornered to say nice things about me, I'm so here for that. So thank you for the intro. She's ever cornered. <laughs> so wait, wait, Debbie, does he not normally have nice things to say? Because I can relate. He, you know, Van is not known to be the kindest of gentlemen, but <laughs> I love her. <laughs> he is always one of the, he is always one of, if not the smartest in the room um, and not, you know, one of the most creative minds I've ever met, but kind. <laughs> I think I'm very kind, I, but you know, I just noticed late, lately it. and this, we can start here actually. I noticed that I'm kinder to people who I don't know 
than I am to the people in my life. Devi, does that mean something? It actually really does. Yeah. What does that mean? What does it mean, Devi? Well, um, it can mean a few things. Mm-hmm. Some of it, some of it could be a little bit of a barrier to to intimacy, to getting really deep when there's risk involved or when it really counts, mm-hmm. um, because it is easier for us to feel like our most authentic selves. It's kind of the example of you know when you go on vacation, and the person you happen to meet on vacation, you guys hit it off. You might exchange numbers. You're like, yeah, weren't they so great? They are great. We got to If they come to LA, we've got to connect or, you know, you have this, this freedom. It feels like with strangers because there's no projection and there's no, um, experiences that have created any kind of previous thoughts or context. So it does when we're around people, we don't know. Sometimes it does feel like we can be more free, more of our authentic selves. There's no story we're holding on to. There's no, you know, um, there's no perception of how we want to be perceived or how we're experiencing them. Mm. Van. That's, that's <laughs> now right on the head, baby. Your mom said that about you though. That Can, like you give people close to you a really hard time. I, I just would like to point mm-hmm. something out that this is about Debbie. So can we- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you asked her to, I, I'm personally enjoying this. I love mm, it. Mm. Uh, but I do want to give you Debbie the chance to answer the first question that Van said about explaining kind of yeah. who you are and what it is that you do. So our audience can familiarize themselves with you if they don't already know. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. I think, you know, at the core of it, I'm a healer and I'm someone whose life mission is that of helping people heal and helping people have access to the highest version of themselves to heal with grace, to heal with joy, specifically people of color. Um, I think that that has been off the table for all of us since the inception of humanity. I think on a, on a, on a different level, I get a chance to wear many different hats. I have many different, you know, skill sets. Um, I am an author. I have a book. I'm the chief impact officer at Chopra Global, which is Deepak Chopra's company. And there I have the amazing opportunity to be the voice of daily meditation on our global app, lead our retreats that we do um, many globally throughout the year. I just got back from one. Also help, you know, to help um, invigorate our education department, bring impact, bring diversity, bring inclusion democratize the access that we're able to have to wellness, to the art of being well. So on a corporate wellness uh, standpoint, I'm steeped in really activations around education, around scholarship, around programming, around partnerships. Um, On a one-on-one basis, I am a spiritual teacher that loves filling the world with all of the deep study that I've done in spiritual psychology, in Reiki and energetic healing and our chakra system. So there's there's a few things in my bucket, but I think overall, um, all of them are in service to what I know to be my mission. Wow. What a fucking powerful answer. <laughs> wow. <What? man. laughs> and you have the most soothing voice. Like isn't it, I feel isn't it nuts. Isn't it nuts? Like I know I really feel a lot calmer because mm-hmm. this one like brings it up, you know, and like you just like have calmed me down. I feel so at peace. Um, and I just want to ask a really quick question. When you talk about what you just did, were you in Austin for the conference? In Austin? There was like a, a Deepak Chopra conference or something that was like happening. Oh, 
Did you we mean? just had a we just had a silent retreat. I was just with Deepak in Yosemite last week, and we held silence for six days with almost <gasps> two hundred people. Wait, wait, wait. you held silence for six days. You didn't say nothing. No, you don't speak. You actually also avoid eye contact. You you don't have anything that requires you wearing one of the roles that you play in your life. And you know, I think when we think of like silence or like not talking we're thinking of it from more of the lack perspective of like, I'm being restrained. I'm being, you know, I'm, there's something over me. I'm not allowed to express, but like spiritual silence, it's all about, this is my time to really recharge my soul. This is my time to really get deep and clear in the areas that maybe I haven't had time to explore before. And so when you hold silence for like, we did it for a very robust amount of time. So that like, nice juicy six days but you're in nature and so you're also being refueled and you're being um deepened in so many ways but the piece that i loved most about it i love being in silence because i talk so much and i communicate so much that when i get a chance to just be quiet i'm like <sighs> you know and i just like surrender to it but one of the great things about holding silence as a spiritual practice is you also really look to not perform in any way. So even things that we deem as like just natural societal gestures, like, oh, I'm passing you as we're walking down the street. We give each other a nod. We look each other in the eye. I hold the door for you. You wouldn't be doing any of that in a silent retreat either. You would just be fully sovereign, like inside of yourself, just kind of um, in motion with where you feel led. But having to keep your personality on, having to keep any connection to the way you're being perceived, you get to strip yourself of that. Um, it's so refreshing. Hmm. That's amazing. Uh, it, and by the way, it thinks it's something that's probably like uh, impossible for me to do. I don't think I can go six days without talking. I just, I, I don't think you would I'll, love it, Van. I think you would love I it. I think you would I be surprised. I don't know if I could go six days. I don't think you talking. could do six. I gotta, I gotta say something. Dennis. Can you talk to yourself? But that's what's going to be beautiful. Cause you're such a cerebral guy. Like you're someone that has like such expansive, you know, mental prowess. Like if you were to able to just be in your mind and if you were able to just, um, experience yourself, you'd be able to, to kind of, create some space, mm. create some space in that big heart of yours. See what else wants to, wants to make room inside. So I want to ask you something specifically about, <laughs> I do about black people because like, okay. it, because it, it wellness sometimes is not, how can I say this? I'll, I'll personalize it. Where I'm from, if if I tell people growing up Baton Rouge, Louisiana, if I tell people, hey, I'm going to take some time off, unplug, not talk for a bunch of days. They say, no, nah, I can't do that. Go talk to Jesus. When you talk to Jesus, come back. Uh, everything's going to be OK. OK. Right. Not saying that that doesn't work. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is that uh, in some sort of way, our experience in America has divorced us from the understanding or the uh, the normalizing of doing deep, 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 non-religious spiritual work that's not connected to any specific dogma in order to connect with ourselves or find our greater selves. 
Like it's, yeah. it sometimes seems my mother goes through this because my mother, it, you and her are very much of the same soul. She's sometimes called a kook. She's sometimes called all of these things because, you know, you'll see her walking along the river road, saging Baton Rouge or, mm. <laughs> or, 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 or doing whatever. It, how do we, some of the things that you're talking about, these are, if I'm clear, these are Eastern philosophies. Uh, some of them. Am I right about that? Well, almost everything or originated as an Eastern philosophy, because that's just the makeup of humanity. You know, a lot of the things, a lot of the work that I, I do, this has existed since antiquity. You know, this has existed since the dawn of humanity. And I believe that something that that worked then will always work. You know, what's ancient is usually the better course of action and the most pure experience. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it could be considered Eastern for sure. I, I pull from a lot of wisdom tradition from all over the world, but it's just, it's always funny to me when we pair things in that light of Western versus Eastern, it's like one, you don't have to choose Two, we got to get clear on the fact that like Western society, it's not that old. So there's going to be an immense amount of things that we don't know, an immense amount of things that even if we even if this country has existed for several hundred years in the blink of an eye you know it's the blink of an eye in human history in in the grand scope of like human evolution it's seconds so there there's so many things that aren't going to naturally make sense to us because we are relearning them we're re-remembering them we're having access to things that are thousands and thousands and thousands of years old that have worked throughout time so if so i guess that's my question if they're so old and they have been such a part of human history, how do we then renormalize them so people can experience healing that humans have been doing yeah. for ages and ages and ages? It seems a little counterintuitive that the oldest stuff, the most tried and true stuff is the stuff that we think is the weirdest. Yeah. You know, I, I think I have a, I have a couple thoughts on that, you know, I think that's what we're doing right now. You know, I think that we are in the age of reconnecting to all this work, to realizing that we can be our own healers, to being able to look at the structure of our lives from a more holistic view, which would be the blending of mind, body, and spirit, um, which is really what true health and true freedom looks like. Um, I think, what's the second part of what you said? I had something else for that. Um, I said that uh, it's counterintuitive that, uh, the stuff that we've been doing for so long is now looked at as weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think too, a lot of that, you know, we have to think in terms of, it's not like we all have passed down accurate history for the last 30,000 years. You know what I mean? Like, like how actually commonplace is it that each generation is telling the full truth to one another. Everything always gets warped and changed based on who's in a position of power. History gets warped and changed. And it's just about the seekers that find the pieces that are inaccurate or find the deeper truths and unveil them. But we are, we're, we're an earth that's filled right now with 7 billion people. And usually only the victors get to write the history. And most history has been written to one project God in a very particular Christian kind of way that also creates a structure and a hierarchy for how you access God and self. But then on top of that, look at how women have been left out of every story ever told and how the matriarchy has been left out. Like we're not, we don't do that great of a job of recording 
accurate history from multiple perspectives. So I think all of that plays into it as well. You know, when you think about then when you come into the, the space of being able to monetize, how, how many people are going to want to scream off the, Utah, the, the rooftops about how you can heal yourself for free <laughs> right? or how you can get to know God without a middleman, you know? So it's just so important that we each do our diligent work. Like I, the work that I do, I'm not, I don't need to be validated by anybody. I know what works for me. I feel pristine in my energy. I feel incredibly connected to God, to source, to my own creativity, to my own love. I give and receive love with ease. If someone else agrees with that or not, it could mean less to me. You know, it it could mean it means nothing to me. But that's the piece that we have to, I think, to answer your first question about, like, how do we really reclaim this or know that we can have access to this or how do we make this more common? It's what we're doing now. Like, it's this beautiful conversation, this discourse we get to have. It's people being their full selves and letting other people watch. I am so into her. (laughs) I'm sitting here like, my gosh, how much time do we have? Okay. (laughs) Since Van isn't a kind friend to you, I'll take you. Just go. Just come on. No, let me, let me make that better. I'm kidding. No, no, no. no, He knows. I'm kidding. Van is such a great guy and I'm so grateful for you, Van. Van is such a great guy, but he, you know, he's one of those friends that shines best when he's also poking you a little bit. So that's why I have to poke him sometimes. (laughs) No, And I do the same thing. I'm totally kidding. Yes. Y'all Van is a great friend. Um, I want to go back to, I'm still fascinated by the six days of silence. I am. And, and I'm more so thinking of it as most people don't have the opportunity or maybe don't, won't make time to have the opportunity to have six days of silence. And in listening to you talk Mm -hmm. about it, I understand how rich and fulfilling it can be. And I can only imagine how we would feel coming out of that six days of silence or what we would learn about ourselves. For the person who either doesn't have the time to do it, doesn't have the resources, or, you know, isn't willing to make time for it, what can they do? What kind of steps can they do to deal with whatever it is they're going through. I know you particularly have talked about yeah. burnout. It's something that we we go through in this this media industry and people do it in, in every facet of their lives. They go through this burnout. What are some steps that they can do to, yeah. I guess, not feel that way or to get right? Thank you so much for asking me this because I think the biggest misconception is that You know, the way that wellness is often framed, especially now because wellness, mental health, like we are having a moment in the sun for it in a way that it's never been. So, so much of it is framed around the tools that you have to buy or the experiences that have to be paid for, or, you know, it's like, oh, use this kind of lotion. This is more well, it has eucalyptus and it's, you know, $80. But all you actually need access to is the ability to sit down and be still and be quiet. It's free. You can do it absolutely anywhere. I find myself now, sometimes if I'm like stuck in line somewhere, if I'm at the grocery store, I just stop hand over heart and I close my eyes and I'm standing in line like this Hmm. and I'm focused on my breath. You know, I'm, I'm just slowly breathing in and out, in and out. And I'm just quieting my mind for two minutes. And so I think because we don't naturally have practice doing this, and it is counterintuitive to the way that society has trained us to be so stimulated, always caring about what people think, always consuming, we misunderstand 
the feeling of being new at something and a novice with it not working or it not being enough. And so really it's like, if, even if you are, you know, if your schedule is really impacted, if money is short, you can't get away to a retreat, there are ways to create it for yourself. And it's even, you know, if you have an afternoon, if you have a free hour at some point, maybe you drive to the beach, maybe you drive to a wooded area in the state that you live in or to a patch of grass somewhere that has beauty. Healing with beauty is part of healing with the five senses, healing with sight, with sound, with taste, with smell. Um, those are really powerful tools to come into alignment with self. And so even if you don't have a lot of time and you don't have a lot of extra income, finding that patch of grass somewhere, honoring yourself by making the commitment to go to it alone and just be quiet just stop and feel the sun hit your skin and then take a moment to really take that in and notice it and as that sun is hitting your face and you're on this little patch of grass and your shoes are off maybe you're able to plant your feet in the soil and you just close your eyes and then you take a deep breath in through your nose out through your nose how does the warmth feel on my face how does that warmth on my face feel in my heart how does that make me feel now in my stomach? Am I feeling calmer? Is my nervous system coming back on track? Am I feeling like I'm giving myself enough space to be me? So it's really, it's, it's really not always about the larger view. It's really the micro refinements, the really small micro adjustments that we can make. And so, you know, something I'm really passionate about when we think about in the work that I do, I'm always thinking about how do I democratize this? How do I, yes, I am sometimes leading a retreat that costs thousands and thousands of dollars, but then I'm also gonna teach a lecture that's a $30 entry point virtually, so you can still have access to that information. Or if you can't come to a retreat, maybe you say, you know what, I do have $30. With that $30, I'm gonna look up some ingredients. Maybe I can treat myself to a really special rejuvenating bath. Use two bags of Epsom salt, put in a bath bomb, put in a little fragrance, close your eyes, experience your body. Maybe if I had, you know, say an extra 20, $30, maybe it's about going and getting some really nice greens or some, some healthy pieces of food that will help me reconnect to my taste, to my body. And then I look up, you know, some kind of a recipe for that. Or for me in the pandemic, my go-to not being able to leave the world, I gave up television. I gave up all television and all mm. film for the last year and a half. <laughs> Don't turn it on at night. I look at that. But it's like when nighttime comes after I put my kid down to sleep, after my workday is complete, I turn on a really beautiful playlist. I dim the lights in my house, you know, and I light some incense and that's just my time to be with me. So there are ways to do it. We just have to get more curious about ourselves and what our needs are. And then we just have to be willing to be a little more consistent in doing it. So wow. I read this. I was looking for it on my phone right now, but I don't know why it popped up. I read this article that talked about the difference between kids and adults. And it talked about a specific time in your life. It's around age 25 or 26 that the number of times that you smile per day just like plummets, right? Wow. Like it, this is a true thing, Whoa. Rachel. No, like, I'm, I'm just thinking. Oh, I'm thinking of me like, when that, I was 25, 26. That's what like I'm doing. That, like it, you get to a certain point in your life and then 
the number of times that you smile per day, it just goes down and down and down. Kids smile mm-hmm. some insane amount of times. And then you get to a point and then you just stop smiling as much. And I, I read that. I don't, I can't find it mm-hmm. now. I read it and I thought about something. It's not just smiling. It's about all the healthy shit. I remember I would be inside the house watching something on TV and that was cool. And I would beg my mom to go out and like run around in the yard. And the first thing I would do when I went out in the yard is I would kick my shoes off. Mm-hmm. It was like the first thing I would do when I got out in the yard and we was time to play is I kick my shoes off. I kick my shoes off and run in the grass and like run in the grass, run around. Sometimes you get bit up by little things. You don't care. You're running around. You're looking up at the <laughs> sun. You're doing all of these things that you have to remind yourself to do yeah. as you get older. Yeah. I once yeah. I, I had a therapeutic yoga teacher one time that said, Hey, like when you walk, the next time you walk, like look up. Like look up. It's like mm-hmm. the, the older you get, the more you start looking like this, or you're looking it down, you're looking for what that is like, look up in the air, look up, like look at the sky, like you used to do. Mm-hmm. My question is, why do we stop doing these things? Like, why, like I was walking one time and these kids saw me and they ran over to me and they said, hi. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, hey. And then they ran back and they got one of their other friends and they ran over to me and they said, hello. And I'm like, hey, to you too. And then <laughs> as we get older, we become more closed off. Our energy becomes yeah. more of our own. We stop sharing it. All the things that we do naturally to ground ourselves as children, we quit. Yeah. And then we got to pay $5,000 to go to a retreat with Debbie so she can teach us how to do it all over again. <laughs> right. So what I'm like, why do you feel like we stop yeah. in the first place? Mm. You know, I think the reasons are a multitude. Mm. I think life is hard. Life is yeah. challenging. And, and society really painted this picture to all of us that has never been true for anyone. This idea that, you know, even dating back to fairy tales, that this one choice or this one experience or this one person means happily ever after, mm. forever, you know, and our age is, our age expectancy now is what, like close to 100. Yeah. So it's like, is that actually feasible or realistic? I think for me personally, I'm very, I'm very sobered in the way that I understand life. I understand we are here to learn and that there is a lot of challenge and a lot of difficulty in that. A lot of us have experienced things that make absolutely no rational sense that are sometimes profoundly painful. And the majority of people have experienced things that they more than likely have never uttered out loud to themselves, let alone another person. So I think at a certain age, the weight of those experiences start to hit us. Roughly around your late 20s anyway, that's your time for being in Saturn return. So it's a shit show, but you come into this space where you really begin reckoning with what life is actually looking and feeling like versus the way that it was sold and positioned to you in your youth or in Mm. marketing. Mm -hmm. So I think that piece of it creates a lot of internal conflict. You know, for some people, it's like full existential crisis and you may go into your spiritual awakening. For others, it, it sometimes feels like life getting heavier or getting a little jaded. Um, And especially when you notice that everyone else is kind of wounded in that way too, that there is no one coming to save you per se. 
Um, and I think at that certain age, the risk gets a little heavier, you know, like it's not fun in games. Like you have to make choices and you're not going to get bailed out of these choices. And so then the weight comes on you. And am I worthy to make these choices for myself? Am I enough to make these choices? All of that starts to weigh in on our self-talk, you know? And I think so many people didn't have a strong foundation. Like right now we are just now in this year, really looking at child rearing completely different, really looking at how we invest in our children's emotional literacy and mental health way different in ways that we never did. Most of us were always told to be quiet when something was wrong or you were physically, you were physically assaulted by a parent, you were given a spanking or you were, you know, there, there's so many, so many, and it is a physical assault, well, you know, and I, we make I, I light of it. I, I know. I don't, I don't want to think of it like that though, Dev. Physical, I know, <laughs> but it is. You know, when, when you think about like a parent smacking you because you disrespected them or you talk back to them, they want to do that to an adult in the street. If a person, if your parent got it, well, some parents, but if, if your dad. parent got into <laughs> <Rest> it, <laughs> if you're, if someone, you know, if someone in the line at the store rolled their eyes at you, you wouldn't have access mm. or regency to slap them in their face and to cuss them, you know what I mean? Or mm. to, to withhold from them. So I, I think we're all just starting to really relook at what we were told as the guiding systems and no one's wrong. We only can rise to the level of the consciousness we have access to, but yeah, I think I think it's really layered. But I think the most amazing thing is when we do get to do like what you express, Van, we still have access to that. Like today, right now, anybody listening to this has the ability to walk outside and kick off their shoes and reintroduce mm. themselves to that joy, reintroduce themselves to that younger version of them, you know, that that was filled with that curiosity, that was filled with that optimism. There's always opportunity to reconnect. Mm. Mm. I mean, you have truly been dropping gems during this podcast, which is <laughs> the brilliantly name of her podcast. the name of Debbie Brown's podcast, Dropping Gems. I don't know if you Did know you that. not? That was my segue. I Thank know, you I for taking that away from me. <laughs> Thank you for taking that away from me. But yes, that is the name of your podcast. You see what I go through? I'm gonna, let me have my moment. Let me put my hand over my heart and censor myself for a second. Because um, I um gosh, I have. Well, I want to ask you about your podcast first. So can you talk about a little bit about like the things you discuss on your podcast and how people yeah. can get it? Because I know they're going to listen to this and they're going to want so much more from you. I'm so grateful. Thank you, guys. Um, my podcast is all about really making higher consciousness applicable for our day to day life. So it's called Dropping Gems. I have a bunch of different guests. Van was on an episode of the show. We had a really powerful episode that is a fan favorite. Um, and then I also have people on the show. I have leading doctors um, and everything from somatics to therapy to psychedelics. I have astrologers on the show. A recent episode I just did was with a Vedic medical astrologer who combines their medical practice as a MD and the astrology lineage of their family oh, in wow. India. And they, they use both to fully inform how to treat a patient and how to help people transform their lives in a holistic lens, mental, physical, emotional. So I kind of, I use this show as I've been kind of, I've been deep diving my whole life, but I've been like deep in the mystery and in wellness in this way for about 10 years. 
And so I like to just really share some of the experiences that I've been having with different healers from all over the world with, you know, all the different modalities of healing, like maybe hypnotism is your way to heal from your wounds. Maybe therapy wasn't the right fit, but deep diving in this way could be. So that is what I explore on my show. That's, I love talking about all the things, the perceived weirder, the better. Um, but yeah, it's all about making really higher consciousness, not just snackable, not just more understandable, but more applicable for your everyday life and your awakening. Mm. 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 Debbie, I feel better. I always do. <laughs> I um, love you. <laughs> I feel better. I always do. Uh, before we get out of here, is there anything that you want to plug besides we, we got to dropping gems? Is there anything else that you want to plug? Any place you're going to be? Anything you want people to get of Debbie Brown coming up? Yes, thank you. Um, hit me on Instagram at Debbie Brown. I lead daily meditation on our Chopra app. And so I just launched a 10 part um, workday series, workday meditation mm. series on how mm. to de-stress and how to also find your purpose. So that's available when you download the app. You can hear my voice every day. It's called Chopra. Um, and yeah, on my Instagram, you can stay connected to all the events. I have a few teachings I'm doing coming up. I have a retreat um, here in LA coming in October, depending on when you hear this. I have one that I'm doing uh, that I'm so excited about with Deepak and with Chopra Global in Mexico um, this coming December um, about the seven spiritual laws of success. So if you feel connected, my Instagram and the link in bio has all the things. All right. Thank Amazing. you so much, sister. Yes, I appreciate you. you. Good to see you too. Thank you, Rachel. So grateful for your time. Thank oh, you thank so you. much, Van. So I'm nice so grateful. You. you know, I love you so deep, um, mm -hmm. and I'm so happy to see you. So, thank you guys. You bye, bye, Dev. Bye. Bye. Wow, great interview with Debbie. Very powerful lady. You like her. You like Debbie now. Are I you going to become? Are you going to become a Debbie disciple now? I, is that what we call ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> I've already downloaded the app. I, I mean, she's great. And I, I would pay, I would pay the money to go to a retreat. I don't know if I can do six days of silence, but just I to reconnect. I bet you would. You bet I would what? Pay the money to go to the retreat. I bet you would. Money bags, Lindsay. <laughs> okay. I just put up an ad for the first time in a long time. I haven't I haven't been QVC Rach in a while. I think you've hurt my business, to be honest. Nah, I don't think I hurt your business. I know who hurt your business. <laughs> I know who hurt your business. I know who's been making calls behind the scenes. <laughs> making calls behind the scenes <laughs> trying to hit out at you. By the way, he's coming back. You haven't heard the last of him. You haven't Good. heard Good the last. You haven't heard the last of him. He's coming back. He's gonna seek his revenge on you. Are you gonna be Why? ready? <laughs> Why? Like, he, he's seek gonna his like. He, he, this isn't a comic book story, Van. Stop. Look, oh boy, it's. But it would be funnier if it was one. It would be funny right now <laughs> if Ch was somewhere, just like plotting. in a lair, planning, plotting, and strategizing. He's gonna get you back, right? <laughs> he is. All right, there was a versus, and the versus was good. You Sounded watched like it. The Bible. I, keep I did watch about it. Them. I did watch it. It it was good old New York hip hop, Ja Rule versus Fat Joe. Okay, now here's the thing: Fat Joe is probably the most lovable guy in hip hop right now. It's between Fat Joe and Nori, I'd say. But 
in a versus. Okay. I don't think that Fat Joe was really going to be able to compete with Ja Rule. No, he was using songs that Ja Rule was on. Ja Rule held the radio down for yeah. like so like a lot. You guys don't even remember how big Ja Rule was. Ja Rule was in many ways the poppiest of pop, some, one of the maybe the biggest guy. Absolutely. Everybody living it up. They what? What? Do I, I do? Everybody living it up. Say what? You do. That was amazing. <laughs> ladies, you ladies, you ladies. Yeah. That's actually uh, a really good impression. That's Ja. <laughs> okay, so Ja, it was a great expression uh, of love between brothers. These guys have both aged really well in hip hop. It was a lot of fun. Out of this came something. Uh, that really, to me, was in ways a little more interesting than the verses itself. The verses itself was a lot of fun. It was one of the best verses, verses, verse I to me. So I'm not <laughs> throwing any shade on the verses. But out of this, we finally got, um, we finally got confirmation that Diddy wants to be involved in the verses. Sean P Diddy Combs wants to be involved in the verses. Did you see Diddy talking about this on the comments of the verses? Uh, yeah, I thought he was going by Love now. No? Love, Diddy, Puff, Puff Daddy. Hey, Sean, Sean Combs Sean said he wanted to Combs. be in the verses. Um, yeah. Now, he didn't initiate it, right? Like, he was kind of brought into it and gave his his opinion as to what he thinks or, or, or how he would participate in a versus the only way. Well, people Correct? were asking... Well, people were you people okay? were asking him. People were asking him. People were definitely asking him uh, if he would do the verses. Like, uh, you know, different people were saying, "Hey, would you do the verses?" And he was saying he would do a verses, but the only person he really wants to do a verses with is Dr. Dre. Is what he said. He said that Correct. on the, on the thing. He was then challenged after this. Oh, this happened after. Okay, gotcha. By Jermaine Dupree. It might have happened in that's in the in the comments. I didn't see when it happened in the comments. Know. I did see afterwards that uh Jermaine Dupree challenged Puff to a versus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Puff responded saying, Jermaine Dupree, your arms are too short to box with God. And that's very true. Jermaine Dupree does have short arms. Well, who's God in this scenario? Because that's I have an issue with that. I mean, I guess Puff, but that's a saying. That's a rap saying. You're always too short to box with God. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm aware. I get it. Whatever. Well, then don't don't take a <laughs> uh, So he basically insinuated that he would crush Jermaine Dupree in a versus, mm-hmm. saying that he could beat Jermaine Dupree with Biggie and Mary J. Blige alone. Puff did a lot of stuff for Mary J. Blige, obviously. And of course, Biggie's career was all with Bad Boy. So a lot of that stuff is going to be produced by Sean Puffy Combs. I think that this is the biggest fucking cap of 2021. Really? Fuck yeah. Okay. If we're talking about 20 records... We're talking about 20 songs. 20 songs, okay. 20 songs. 20 songs. Puff versus JD. Not only is it competitive. So competitive. 
but Puff better not fuck around with JD. I really don't know what if if Puff and JD went head up on the verses and Puff washed JD, it would be straight up New York bias bullshit. You know what it is too? It's different eras, right? You got the early 90s versus the late 90s, 2000s. Because if he's if he's just dealing with Mary and um, I mean Mary, yes, she's gone on, but if he's he, from he's talking about the beginning, you're talking about just Mary and Biggie. You're really discrediting all that JD did for the 2000s, early I, 99s, 2000. Not you. I'm just saying in general. No, I no. What I'm telling you is, you could bring any amount of things. You could. There's any amount of things that you could bring. We're talking about Jermaine Dupree. Exactly. Usher. Mariah Carey, mm. his own music, okay? Some Janet Jackson shit. Some Ludacris. Ludacris. Snoop. We, I mean, he's worked with everybody. We acting like the so-so deaf sound didn't define a Snape. whole portion. Jagged Edge. Like, ja- Sorry, escape, I just keep Jagged going. Edge, all of it. Like, <laughs> like we acting like, what, what, what world are we living in? But we're not. No, Diddy's acting a lot like of people that. acting like that's the case. Puff, like, look, the bad boy sound obviously wow. is the bad boy sound. Right. We're talking about Jermaine fucking Dupree. <laughs> I'm actually offended. And you I love be. JD. Obviously, I love Puff. We've done work. I'm actually offended because I feel like what this really is is more fucking hatred on the South. Oh, as if the, the south. I okay. did take it to the south as if breaking fucking Usher mm. you know what I mean as if breaking Usher remember now Puff had Usher too Puff had Usher Oh, okay. the first um, Usher album wasn't really fucking with he it he did he had my way no that's not the first Usher album see the well, first, then, the then first then usher shit. The first, know. the first usher shit is. Can you get with that? It's like that. Uh, usher pulled up with JD, and JD made a star. Yes, he did. So Diddy had him first. Is that what you're saying? What I'm telling you is that Diddy was producing Usher and doing stuff with Usher. Diddy is a fucking amazing uh, mind, corporately, brand wise, music, all of that. And he is a titan on the Mount Rush culture, the Mount Rushmore, cultural Mount Rushmore of hip hop. You're gonna have to put PDD on there in terms of all the people who have made things happen, without a doubt. I'm gonna tell you something. If we're talking about 20 songs, hit for hit, you fucking right, Jermaine Dupree can can go with Diddy. I would love this versus. That I think that Diddy owes owes Jermaine Dupree an apology. Absolutely. Now, if we're talking titans of perceived titans of hip hop. Ooh, perceived. Interesting. Perceived. Listen, I'm telling you, if we're talking about perceived titans of hip hop, yes, Diddy is akin to Dre. If we're talking about perceived titans of hip hop, but I would argue that the only reason why that is the case is because Jermaine Dupree and what he has done, that that's actually underrated. Mm-hmm. It's Jermaine Dupree for all of what he was able to do. I think what he's done is underrated. You mean to tell me in a versus, yeah, you can't put up the Can't You See remix featuring Big, right? You can't put that up against the Drew Hill in my bed remix 
featuring Jermaine Dupree and the and the Brat. Those two records aren't like right there. You want to dance? Uh, you make I can you dance. make you dance. <laughs> yeah, uh, you want to dance? Uh, I like the Drew Hill shit better. Um, I actually do too. Do you think? Let me ask you this. When you, da- name, when you think off. of Jermaine, when you think of Jermaine Dupri, you name so many different artists that he's attached to, right? Like, yeah, you think Bow Wow, like they came up together, but it's like his, the the him being behind music. It's so many different artists. When you think of Diddy, you think Biggie. You think Mary too, but you th- and you think others, but it's like Diddy, Biggie. When you think Dre you connect him to like another big artist, right? Like you think Dre, Snoop. Do you think maybe because with JD, it's spread out against, I, I know they've, I know Diddy's worked with so many other people. I know Dre has, but like you almost affix them to somebody else as a, that's, that's a major Titan, as opposed with JD, it's not the same thing. Do you well, think with that's- Drew, <laughs> well, nobody can fuck with Dre. Like Dre, Dre I know. got. Well, we we Dre have, got, we have. Yeah, Dre got all the hip. I told you that when you no, I told you that when you tried to say LL. Remember, no. I said Dre no, 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 and no, no, Snoop. No, no, oh, I said no, Snoop. No. I said Dre and Snoop. I beat no. you on that. The, uh, the people have spoken. No, no, that's completely different. I wasn't talking about it. Like that's different. Okay. Nobody's fucking with Dre. Dre, okay. like no, like nobody's fucking with Dre because Dre got fucking. <laughs> Dre got. But I would rather yeah. see Diddy versus JD in a versus more than I'd rather see Diddy and Dre. I, I'm gonna be honest okay. with you. Diddy disrespected JD. Of course he did. I'm looking at it right now. There's other shit. I mean, we talking about Usher's career. We got you got it bad. All of this shit that's going on, like all of this shit that's <laughs> happening. My God, my the investigation of Mimi. Usher, we got <laughs> we we got crisscross shit. If we want to bring the kids oh, into yeah, it, yeah, crisscross, like, crisscross, bow wow, jagged edge. I'm looking at it right now. Look at all of these records. Just number ones. Burn. Confessions Part 2. My Boo. Fucking Let Me Hold You. Bow ba- Wow featuring Amarion. Let me hold you. Like all of this shit. Shake it off. Mariah Carey. Well, what the hell is going What the hell is Diddy? What, what's Diddy on? Oh, yeah, he did Monica too. Yeah, I, he did Monica. What are I you talking about? Are, confessions. Ooh, he was. Ooh. I'm looking at it now. Yo, I gotta be honest with you. Diddy owes Jermaine Dupree an apology. For sure. I'm looking at all of this stuff. We got some TLC shit on here. You know, the brand. Everybody. Everybody. By the way, Lil Kim Hardcore, not tonight, not the remix, but the original, but that's still straight. He worked with Aaliyah. Of course he worked with Aaliyah. He's Jermaine Dupree. <laughs> May. I'm sorry. Like I'm that, sorry. Everybody. Everybody. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to be honest with you. All of you New York heads out there, all of you guys in New York out there that didn't gas Puff up to make Puff think that he going to get in a versus with Jermaine Dupree and just wash Jermaine Dupree. Y'all nuts. Y'all nuts. Agreed. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm still looking. I want everybody to know I'm still looking at the list. I just now come across the 2000s. It's nuts. It's nuts. I was immediately upset. Immediately. Oh my gosh, he did Chingy. He did right there. Stop. Let's let's just let's just stop. And let's let's not forget, money ain't a thing. 
We need to we, talk this, about his the, own songs. There's too many things that we can't forget. Okay. So I just want to let everybody know that there is no one who is straight up washing Jermaine Dupri in a, in a versus. Nobody. Okay. No one who's going to, you, there's nobody, Quincy Jones, maybe. You know what no, I mean? No, defi- definitely Quincy Jones. Well, Quincy Jones can definitely wash anybody. Quincy, like, Jones. Quincy Jones created music. There was no music before <laughs> Quincy Jones. He invented it. But look, there's no one who can straight up wash Jermaine Dupri and certainly not any of his contemporaries. None of his contemporaries Agreed. are just going to straight up wash Jermaine Dupri. God damn, man. That's crazy. All y'all, this East Coast bias got to stop. I'm serious, man. Goddamn acting like Jermaine. So, Maybe so it'll deaf. happen. Maybe my thing is, Diddy, if you feel that way, then prove everybody right. Uh, prove yourself right. Let's nah, have because verses. it's never going to happen because Diddy only wants to do like one versus. You know what I mean? So he's not going to do two verses. He's not going to do Jermaine Dupri, didn't do Dre. He wants to have the big Titanic East Coast versus West See, Coast. Big, huge it, thing. It should be a tournament. A it should be a tournament. Versus and tournament? To, yeah, like a versus tournament. You got JD, Diddy, whoever wins that goes against Dre. See hmm. what I'm saying? And then get other people before it. I like it. Like a, like a Sweet 16. Speaking of Usher, uh, CBS has backed out of a show that they were going to do. The show was called The Activist. <laughs> and the show was going to be a game show that blends in activism. I tell you what, man, white people gotta be stopped. Hey, Don't, you had black people agree to be a part of it. So what? Niggas need a check. That's what. <laughs> okay. Niggas Keep need going. a check. Oh, Niggas so you would have taken this check if they wanted me to host Usher an need, activist Usher, show. If you would have said to, yes. Of course. Yeah. I wouldn't have said yes. I wouldn't want. You're out of your mind, Rachel. You said I that, would not, Rachel. I wouldn't do this, Rachel. You would and have done the activist show. I don't think you would have either. You would have asked for it to be restructured. I'm not saying you wouldn't do an activist show, but the this one. Tell the people how it how it goes. So the show was originally going to be one where six activists from around the world come together to bring meaningful change to one of three urgent universal causes: health education in the environment the activists will compete in missions media stunts digital campaigns and community events aimed at garnering support from the community and garnering the attention of the world's most powerful decision makers demanding action now so this is something let me tell you what happens this is something to where they go how can we make something okay and then while we make something, we also are on the side of social justice because social justice is hot. So let's do it. Right away, they put this on Twitter and they got their asses lit up. Usher was one of the hosts for this. Mm-hmm. Usher and a couple of people. Usher, Priyanka, Priyanka Chopra. Chopra, Jonas. They were definitely, and um, <clears throat> and Julianne, Julianne Heff was gonna, were going to be on it. They were going to be some of the, the, the hosts, but they, they, they backed off of it. Now, it's just going to be a documentary series. It's going to be a documentary series, but not a game show. You had a problem with this being a game show, you're saying. You're saying this is something that you wouldn't have hosted. I wouldn't have hosted it because I, well, one, I'm not an activist. I think they should have an activist hosting. I think that's what I think they should have. It should have all been centered around activists. But 
The concept of the show does seem to capitalize on what's hot right now, right. rather to me than the true intention of activism. And if you understood that, then you wouldn't have them competing against each other for their causes. You would just be doing something to support whatever it is that they're an activist for, whatever cause it is they're fighting for. And just the fact that they were being judged on it, I can't even imagine imagine what I would say as a judge. Like, oh, you didn't go hard for your cause. Yeah. You did you should have done this instead mm -hmm. of this. It's like it's easy. Be, hey. For hey. a competition show, it's more focused on the competition in the game than it is the actual meaning of it. So I'll if the purpose you. is for me is to be meaningful, this you've you've lost it. And then don't even get me started on Julianne Huff being one of the judges. Who chose her? Why? Because of the blackface stuff? Well, yeah, there's controversy. I mean, I'm, I know she's apologized for it and she said that, but then it's like, of all the people to choose, you couldn't choose somebody who didn't have some controversy controversy attached to them in the past. I like that it's a diverse group of people, but it's like, who's who did this? She came out and she said she's not qualified to judge her new show after black backlash. She said she is deeply listening with an open heart and mind. I heard you say that there was hypocrisy in the new show because of the root of activism is a fight against capitalism and the trauma that it causes so many. And that the show itself felt like a shiny capitalistic endeavor. Huffer. I also heard you say that trying to value one cause over another cause felt like the oppression Olympics and totally missed and disrespected the many activists who have been killed, assaulted, and faced various abuses for their causes. Because of this, there is a feeling of insult, dehumanization, insensitivity, and hurt is being rightfully felt. Furthermore, she says later, I am not that I am not qualified to act as a judge. She says, I do not claim to be an activist and wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree that the judging aspect of the show missed the mark. And furthermore, that I am not qualified to act as a judge of the show. I'm not going to lie. I would have definitely taken the show. Definitely. I don't believe you, but okay. Definitely. I think you can say that now that, you know, you don't have that opportunity. And I would but... have been like, I would have been even harder on them. I'd have been like, hey, you didn't compete this section in time. So guess what? Tonight, <laughs> little niggas starve. You see, you see, you see I the ridiculousness hope, of this. You see what he's I doing, y'all? You understand what you've done. Hey, you didn't get the wind sailing right today. So guess what? Fuck the environment. Not only do we not get seeds <laughs> to plant new trees because you failed the mission. That's it. We're going to burn down 30 acres of renewable forest. My point exactly. Yeah, it's funny. this one, this one has look, to I'm go. Gonna, I'm, not gonna, to go. I'm not going to lie, though. I'm not going to lie, though. I'm not bullshitting you when I say that I probably would have taken it. Because I'm being honest with you. That I probably okay. would have taken it. If I, I probably would have taken it because it, it is one of these things to where it's obviously a horrible idea. <laughs> It's obviously a horrible idea, right? Correct. But for a million dollars a year, you could probably talk yourself into it. You know? I don't for, think that you would get a million dollars a year for it. I would yeah, if I'm if I'm hosting a show on fucking CBS, I'm getting a million dollars a year. Okay. If I'm hosting a show on CBS it's like that, I'm gonna get a million dollars a year. No, you're not gonna get a million dollars a year. I'm gonna get a million dollars a year. Okay? They're not gonna give you a million dollars because I'm a fight. Plus the only reason they wouldn't give it to me is if I turned it down. Well, the reason why they wouldn't give it to you is because if I'm going to get a million, then you're going to get 75 
750,000. You're right. Um, no, but uh, seriously, by the way, Rachel's a much more established host than me. There's no job out there where she would not get paid more. But wh- what I'm saying is, obviously, it was a Equal bad idea. Pay. But I, but <laughs> I'm being serious though. Like I'm being serious. I, I probably would have been able to 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 convince myself, hey, at least I'm doing something well. You know, when you come from working at fucking TMZ, how can I say no to the CBS activist show? Like, you know, what I mean, it's like, what am I gonna do? But no, they're not doing it anymore. So. Uh, and of course, because this happened, they brought back up back in 2013 when she went as the girl from Orange is the New Black and Juliana Huff was in L Blackface. She did L Blackface in 2013. Um, somewhere right now, there's a white person that's going to fuck their career up by doing Blackface. I'm just going to tell you one last time. Don't do it. You're not going to listen. You're not going to listen. You're not going to listen. They're remaking the bodyguard at Warner Brothers. Hate it. Why do you hate it? Aren't you tired of the remakes? I I, honestly, I feel like there should be a rule in place. A certain Mm -hmm. number of years have to pass before you can make a remake a movie. Not enough time has passed for the bodyguard to be remade. It's too, it just came out. When did it come out? 94, 95, 96? It's like 92, like 25 years ago or something. I think that's too soon. I think that's too soon. I think it's got to be like 40 years. Why 40 do we years to, for a remake? Why, are, we, are we out of ideas? Do we not have enough creative ideas where we need to dip back this early, this soon, and remake The Bodyguard? I, I just, I feel like, I just, I, I'm, I'm against it. I don't well, know. I, they're redoing The ahead. Matrix. They're, they're, they're rebooting The Matrix. The Matrix is coming out. They're making a Matrix 4. But it's a, it's a reboot, though. But it's the same. It's not a reboot. It's the same people. Right. That's oh, not a so reboot. You, this well, is a whole. This is a new. You cast can re, of you can reboot something with the same people, but your your point is very solid, though. Yeah, I I don't. I'm not ready to see it. I'm not saying don't ever do it, but I just feel like there's there's a time when it's too soon to remake a movie, and 25 too, years to me is too soon. So the bodyguard. So actually, it's more like 30 years. I said 40. So 40 is the 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 cutoff. The bodyguard is like 92, 93, maybe something like that. So it's maybe almost 30 even 50. years. 50. Like I. 50 years. I'm, I can still remember when the bodyguard came out and we're already doing another one. I just feel like it, it it's too soon. I, I can't be alone in thinking that, guys, right? I mean, I'm not saying you're- Warriors, I, I, let me know. It's too soon or not. Do a Reddit about it. Is let it me too ask you a soon to remake the bodyguard? Do a Reddit about it. Let me ask you a question. If they were to recast the bodyguard, who would you want to be in it? Hallie, but not Barry. Hallie, uh, what's their last name? Bailey. Bailey, Hallie Bailey. No, that's not gonna work. Okay, well that's my choice. Why um, would you want her? She's not even. She's not a big enough star for that yet. Think about who Whitney Houston was when they made the body. Well, that's. I, that is one reason I don't think that they should even be remaking it yet because it was Whitney. How would you feel if they remade Moonwalker? Well, who are they gonna remake it with? That kind of would be hot. It depends. I'm gonna who? watch Moonwalker tonight. Like who? Chris Brown. Who else? Nah, nigga. They're not okay. going to remake more. I didn't Chris say that Brown. they will. I'm thinking of somebody who's like tall, slim, can dance. They're not going to make remake Moonwalker. With I Chris didn't say Brown. that they were. I'm saying who could do it. Fucking County Jailwalker is going to be the movie. But they're not. <laughs> I didn't who. say they should. I, love I said Chris, who could. I, look, I said who, sh- who oh, could. By, oh, by the way, we should talk about this real quick. The Thought Warriors 
don't appreciate our relationship to Chris Brown. How I don't do, have a relationship to Chris Brown. Do you? Do you? So I'm asking you a question. You don't have a relationship to Chris Brown. I don't. I don't know him. I know what I'm saying is our relationship with Chris Brown and who he is. The fact that we say Chris Brown's name and we do not every time we say his name uh, cast him in the role of abuser, serial abuser. Do you do still we talk have, about him that often? No, but we have talked about him. We should, we should bring this up. We have mm-hmm. talked about him. And when we talk about Chris Brown, it doesn't seem like we attribute those things to him. And okay. that I've seen in the Reddit that some of the thought warriors don't appreciate the fact that we treat Chris Brown like he's any other performer and we don't bring up uh, some of the cases of abuse that he has been attached to. Do you still have those feelings of Chris Brown when you think about him? So it's hard to, it depends what the context of talking, like how are we talking about Chris Brown? If it's worthy of me saying every single time, oh, by the way, he did this. I I do think he did it. I think that he should have, I'm put it this way. I do think he did it. I'm going to say something. Say it. It's hard for me. I think he was wrong for what he did. And I totally think that that he was an abuser and he definitely tr- mistreated Rihanna. And that was despicable and it was gross. And yes, we should always remember the fact and never forget that he did that. Sometimes it's hard for me to hold on to that when Rihanna forgave him. And I don't know if they had a relationship or but definitely a friendship. So it's hard for me when the person who was right there involved in it has, you know, like she spoke out about it. She condemned it, but then moved past it to where they were able to to years later move on to something. So it's hard for me to feel the same way I did back then when Rihanna, the very person involved with it, has seemed to forgiven him and moved on. Mm. It's not that I forget. It's just that okay, maybe there's a difference because the person who was abused has seemed to, to forgiven him. Huh. That's, That's awesome. Fair, I'm, not that... take, I'm not taking it away from what he did. Mm. Please don't think that by any means. Well, that's a fair point. I guess, so, I guess my thing is this. And I'd like to have a real dialogue about this because it's something interesting and it's, uh, there's a couple of different narratives here. One narrative is, Rihanna forgave Chris Brown, but then other people co- uh, accused Chris Brown of, 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 you know, conduct that mirrored maybe what happened. Like, Carucci made some some oh, allegations. Oh, she did. She did. Oh, I Carucci didn't know made that. Some allegations. Um, oh God. I uh, know you know, there and it's and it's been whatever. Uh, I guess my thing is, and I'm serious about this is sometimes I don't know where to draw the line, right? Give you guys an example of something. When we were we were at we were at TMZ, Chris Brown's name would come up and everybody would be freaked out, right? Uh it would be something where everyone would sort of talk about, "Oh man, Chris Brown sucks, Chris Brown's this." And you know, look, there's a lot of people who are going to hold on to what Chris Brown did or what people have said about Chris Brown and that's going to be fine. But like Whenever we would talk about Tommy Lee or Motley Crue or any of those people, they would never have that same thing. And I remember being in the office and be like, you guys know that Tommy Lee went to county jail for beating up Pamela Anderson. 
like like when you talk about like how awesome right. Tommy Lee is or you know they do things on TMZ and they would joke about how big Tommy Lee's dick is or they would they would they would talk about you know Tommy Lee did a, a reality show and they were talking about all of that stuff and how cool Tommy Lee is and they would t- and they would never be the same and I'd be like I'm not making this up I'm saying like Tommy Lee beat up Pamela Anderson he beat her up to the point to where now they once again they dated after that too he beat her up to the point to where like they fucking they put him in jail for it mm. um or other people like that so <clears throat> sometimes i guess and i'm not saying this to excuse one thing that anybody did sometimes i do find myself wondering well all right this happened so is this something that we file away as what this person is uh are they never ever allowed like every time we bring up your name we say piece of shit uh, I just don't sometimes I don't know how it goes but I'm gonna be honest with you when I hear Chris Brown's name I don't I know that there's a whole bunch of stuff around him, but there's not that emotion behind it like I don't feel oh bad horrible terrible like ridiculously whatever person I don't there are other people that w- where it is true but for some reason it's not with him and maybe I'm wrong maybe that's wrong sometimes I don't I don't I think Chris Brown hey dangerous guy like maybe probably parts of his career he fucked them up and he's I'm sh- and he's definitely hurt people we've seen that but i don't think like scummy the earth when i think about what his name pops up i did initially when it happened but i think over time and the you know seeing the relationship that he's had with rihanna since then as time has passed i think for me i've softened up i don't i don't forget it you know, I don't want people to think that it's every, I, I never look at him and I don't think what did happen. But at the same time, I think you brought up a good point with the drawing the line thing. Where do you draw it? Just because we mention him doesn't mean that we have forgotten what he did. And I think that that's an important uh, point to make. You can talk about somebody with also not talking about all the terrible things that they've done just because they've done just because you're not talking about it doesn't mean that you don't acknowledge it. It's very true. Well said, Rach. Well said. Uh, yeah, we're, we're is thought warrior real talk. This is a thought. This is a new segment. We're gonna do a thought warrior real talk segment where we talk about things that challenge the sensibilities of the thought warrior nation. Ooh. And I want you guys to come up with some things that you guys want to hear us talking about. I know Michael Jackson is gonna come up. I just said that I was gonna watch Moonwalker later. I know Michael Jackson is gonna come up. There's a guy that wants to come on this podcast. His name is Arian Foster. He's As in ex- the former football player? The former football player. Okay. Aaron Foster, a friend of mine, convinced that Michael Jackson didn't do it. All right. He, he's, 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 Aaron is a highly intelligent guy. And he's done the work on this, at least. The work on it. <laughs> he's, done, he's, he's looked at it. He's convinced that Michael didn't. Do I it. guess I, I don't. My, my fear in bringing somebody on is I don't. You know, there, there are allegations against Michael ja- or there have been allegations against Michael Jackson. There have been settlements with Michael Jackson. And I don't want to be insensitive. To I don't want to have been abused. And I don't want to per- I don't want to perpetuate this argument of defending or this guy who's done the work to deter about. Wow, and- you're so shady. Like I, I just I just I. <laughs> I listen. I I love Michael, and I'm sorry I'll say that, but I also don't want to be insensitive to people who've been abused by having someone on and come discredit 
So you're allegations right. against him. That, right. that's that is my fear. And I say that as a person who loves Michael Jackson. And I and I know that's controversial to say as well. So here's the thing though. And I'm serious about this. I'm going to get this figured out in my head because okay. I have to be consistent. And I've talked about this Michael Jackson thing on the podcast before. I have to be consistent. Okay. And here's the deal. We have to have space to talk about whether or not Michael Jackson did it. We have to have space to talk about that. Now, there are multiple accusers over of uh, a lot of years, and there seems to be a pattern there. We have to, but we have to be able to talk about whether or not that's the case. Now, if in fact Michael did do it, then or you if if we can if we can't put any space between what's alleged against Michael Jackson what people have said that he's done and what we feel like intellectually actually happened, then I have to find a way to free myself of, of my emotional hold to the music and stuff. It like, I think that the survivors and people who have been abused that they deserve that. But in order to do that, we, I don't think that there's anything wrong with having an actual deep conversation, an intellectual conversation about the aspects of what we think we know and whether or not they actually happened the way that they say that they did. And I think sometimes we have to de-emotionalize these things to where we can talk about this. And look, we can do we can do episodes like this about all kinds of things, things that are close to my heart too. You know, we can do them, we can do them about all kinds of things, but I think that there should be space for us to really have a conversation about whether or not he actually did it. And there are people out there, and like I said, Aaron's one of them, who have done a lot of research and they say no. And then there are people like myself who watch the documentary and that think- I was going to ask you, did you watch the whole thing? I did watch it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very hard not to believe those guys. Yeah. I'll just be honest with you. Very hard not to uh, believe right, those right. guys. Right, right. Well, one of them. One of them, one of them, but one of them. just recently, I think that Aaron told me just recently, a judge threw out both things. So, I mean, we'll bring, we'll bring Aaron on and we'll do a whole, I, we're, I'm promising you guys right now, a whole Michael Jackson, did he do it episode? Okay. I, 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 I'm okay. I think that's honestly, I think that's the only way to do it. It's got to be it's got to be a whole episode. But we got to do um, both sides. So, are you going to bring one of the accusers on? Not one of the accusers, but we have to I, I either I have to be I don't want to put anybody through that either or one of us is going to have to be proxy for one of the accusers. I'll be proxy. I'll okay. do it. All right. I'll do it. Talk about it. I'll rewatch as hard as it is, watch Finding Neverland again. All right, mail back. Let's go. Wait, wait, wait. I want to go back to something cuz a lot of times we we start stuff and sometimes we don't finish on the podcast. Going back just to just to end the Whitney Houston bodyguard thing, I said it should be Hallie. What's her last name again? Why can't Hallie I never Bailey. remember? What's wrong? Bailey. With you? I don't know. I don't know because I keep wanting to say Davis and I, I don't know. Hallie Bailey. You said she's not big enough. Who do you think could do it? Because when I said okay, but that's like to me remaking Moonwalker. Who could do it? Uh -huh. You really can't name people. Who would you name? Rihanna. For Whitney. Rihanna. For Rihanna's Whitney? Perfect. Rihanna's perfect. You just change up the music and stuff like that. You do. Rihanna is the. She's uh, obviously big enough. It's just more of the. I, I don't know. I can't see it. Rihanna's I can't perfect. See it. 
Rihanna's perfect. You have Rihanna. And if you want to get a white boy, you do Ryan Gosling. You got yourself a movie. I like Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I know you do. No, 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 no. not that way. I, I like the casting. No. I like the casting. No, Every, everybody likes Ryan Gosling. I'm going to be honest with you. I've said this before. Ryan Gosling, probably number one white man in the world. Number Didn't one. Didn't you say that it was Jake Gyllenhaal before? No, he's in the top five. Okay. By the, by the way, there's a new addition to the top five white guys in the world, by the way. Because we asked. Go ahead. Jason Sudeikis, a.k.a. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, Jason Sudeikis right now. Take a bow, my friend. You're the number two white dude in the world. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what right now. <laughs> if we find some dirt on Jason Sudeikis, if he fucks up, if Ted Lasso fucks up, I'm joining the Nation of Islam. Bull- no bullshit. If Ted okay. Lasso fucks Chill up. Chill out. If, te- if, if, if they find some racist shit on Ted Lasso, it's over for me. I'm okay. not even trying with y'all Ted anymore. Ted Lasso I'm joining- or Jason? Ted Lasso or Jason? Jason, what are you talking about Jason? Who either well, Ted Lasso they has nothing for on Ted. <laughs> like Jason Sudeikis, if they find something on Jason, if Jason Sudeikis, if Jason Sudeikis lets me down, I, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm a, I'm gonna start a militia and just say fuck it. We're just gonna go to war. I'm out. Okay. Jason Sudeikis is the last hope. He's like the Luke Skywalker of white boys. He's the last hope. All right, mailbag. Let's go. Hurry up. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. This is from Lauren Gold. What would y'all have worn to the Met Gala? What was the theme? American fashion, I think, something like that. Well, if Van and I were attending together, I think quite naturally we would wear antebellum attire. Oh my God. Oh my Lord. (laughs) That might be the best answer to a question I have ever heard before in my life. Somewhere, Chris Harrison just spilled his mint julep. Like, I'm telling you, that is the best answer to a question I've ever heard before. That's exactly what we would wear. We go there and we dress up straight up like some Kirkinels. Like we go straight up. Shout out to Greg Kirkinell. You're fine. It's okay. We're having a joke at your expense. It's some weird shit. Matt James, stop ducking me. That's the perfect answer. All right. We got anything else? Yes. From Chalet, from Chalet Faye. Would you ever go on another reality competition show? If so, which one? So I guess that's me who's gone on one reality. I not a one. No, I would I would unless I'm hosting, I'm not going on another one. Interesting. I'm not going on another one. I mean, if I had to be forced just to answer her question, I'd pick something where I could travel. So maybe like the amazing race. And I've never even watched that show before, but yeah, you could travel the world. You should go on an activist. <laughs> Next, question, <laughs> Next question, Next um, question. From Natalie J. Copeland, what's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done in public? And she also said that she loves y'all. Oh, thank you. Uh, I don't really get embarrassed. I uh, I did something embarrassing in public one time. Well, you've urinated on yourself in public, so that wasn't I mean, the most that. embarrassing thing. 
I shit my pants. I, I'd like to end the podcast at this point because I don't want to know this story. What? Wait, wait, wait. How many people were around? A group. Were you at home or like at a restaurant? I was at the student center. This was in college? Yeah. Were you drunk? Mm-mm. What happened? I'd eaten something bad. There was this place around campus at Louisiana Tech that had fried pork chop sandwich. No, this that's is, why you don't eat pork chops that's anymore. That's why I don't fuck with pork chops. <laughs> <laughs> and I had eaten the fried pork chop sandwich, and I had eaten it like It hit you before. that quickly? No, it was actually before. It was like the night before I ate the fried pork chop sandwich, and it was like uh, I ate the sandwich, and I woke up, and I didn't feel right. I felt that little in your stomach, you know, and I shouldn't have gone. But I went anyway because, like, if you woke up early enough at Tech before Aramark took over, they made these biscuits, and they were the best biscuits. And you could just really go you in there. You did it for a biscuit. You could you go did in it there. For a biscuit. You could go in there, and you could get like six biscuits and some syrup and some you know, butter, and you eat the biscuits. And that's just like the biscuits were great, like great biscuits, like home cooked biscuits. Like I love a biscuit. Clearly. So I woke up early. I've like been up late before, so I only got like four hours of sleep. I woke up early because I wanted to. I didn't want to miss the biscuits. They stopped serving breakfast like eight thirty nine. I don't want to miss the biscuits. So I go over there and I go, and the whole time it's the gurgle. The gurgle is getting to me. The gurgle is coming. I know it's coming, but I'm figuring I can eat my biscuits, maybe get like a sprite that'll settle my stomach. I got in there. And it was a little live for the biscuits. And I was like, nah, I got to get the fuck out of here. So when I turned around, I was just getting to the Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and it happened. It happened. And I remember I never forget. Well, of course you. I would hope you would never forget. I, I, I you never need forget. to hate biscuits and not pork chops. I, I, like, I, I never forget. Because <laughs> it was early. Uh, none of my friends or anybody was there. But there was this white girl that looked at me. And she realized what had happened. And she looked at me and she looked at you. The horror on her face. (laughs) She was so Did she see it or she heard it? She saw it and heard it. What were you wearing? It's it's early, like some wind pants. Like some some wind pants. And she saw it and she heard it and she looked. And then she's like her face squashed up and then there was like it came down through the wind pants and I had to like literally Run? I ran and I remember I didn't want to get on the elevator back to my dorm so I took the stairs up was your roommate there when you got back no roommate I had a private room no roommate so I was able to I was able to get up there and it didn't stop. Like I kept for like a couple of hours like going. So I but took the least... I took the day off class and I remember um I took the day off class and <laughs> one of my homeboys came over to my room and he came in the room. And he was like, Nigga, <laughs> what is going on in here? You shit it on yourself. How did he know? <laughs> because I still had the wind pants in the room. What's wrong with you? I was, I didn't feel good. You couldn't run and dump those out? I did. I did run and dump them out. I threw them away. They were my favorite pair too. Pork shop sandwich. I'm not going to name the restaurant. It's called Griff's. All for a biscuit. For biscuits. 
I had to get the biscuits in the morning. All for a biscuit. It's tough. <laughs> I can't get over it. It was oh tough. Oh, my God. It was tough. I, I, I uh, pork so chop bad. sandwich from Griff's. Rest you just Louisiana. said you weren't going to name it. Fuck you it. You just said you weren't going to name it. Fuck it. It's true. So let's just end it on the yeah. shits. Yeah, yeah. For shits and giggles. All right. Let's All right. Just All right. Mailbag is over. <laughs> I still remember it. How have we waited this long to tell this story? As many times as I talk about pork chops and the the, the disgust on your face, I get it now. That was the last time I ate a pork chop. I I get it. So every time I'm saying pork chop and you kept going, oh, that it's big, nasty. thick piece of meat. That's what you were really thinking about. This is disgusting. It's nasty. It's, it's making me sick right now. This big piece of pork deep fried. It made me sick. It made me sick. And I embarrassed myself. Only one person saw you. No, that's not true. It was a, it was a group of people that saw me. Everybody else was pretending like they didn't. But let me tell you something, though. There was a silver lining in this. Please share. They were all white. And so none of them were a part of my social circle. This never got out. Until Except for one of my homeboys. This never got out. None of them were part of my social circle. Like, they were, this never imagine. got out. I shouldn't have I myself. I can't eat, like, you really were sick that you couldn't hold it in. No. Or find I, like, your way to the nearest bathroom. So, I was walking away. And by that time, so here's the thing. I was walking away. By that time, I couldn't, by the time I shitted on myself, I couldn't go into the bathroom then because it wasn't going to help me clean myself off. No, I had to I make it back to the room. No, I know. I'm just saying the moment that it was, you decided it was too late, you couldn't find, you couldn't even make it to the bathroom. I couldn't make it to the bathroom. Okay. Well, we're sorry that we're ending on that note, guys. But we are. Wow. We're ending on that note. Wow. You got an unexpected ally of the week? No, I forgot. No unexpected ally of the week. Listen. I guess those people that were in the restaurant that didn't tell on you. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Can you imagine if social media had existed back then? It would have yeah. been a wrap for you. Yeah, those I are saw, your unexpected allies. I saw the girl at a uh, at like a white frat party. That girl, that same girl, maybe like a week later, she acted like she didn't know me. I was good. She probably she probably thought you looked like somebody else. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Like, oh, it, it could have been him. Maybe it was him over there. You know right, what I mean? Yeah, you, were she, saying, you were good. She probably thought it was Carlton, Alfonso Ribeiro, who shitted on himself. Yeah, I look like him. All right, uh, you guys. I don't know why I felt so uneasy telling that story, but I'm sharing it with the Thought Warriors. Um, <laughs> we are out until next week. Keep your thinking caps on. Always remember to learn. Do your research on this vaccine stuff. Yeah. Do your research on everything. And make sure you have the right set of facts. Thank you for Debbie Brown for joining us today on the yes. podcast. I am Van Lathan Jr. I am Rachel Lynn Lindsay. And we are out. <laughs>